Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Authentic Messengers. My name is Catherine Van Wetter and I will be your host today. Every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, I have been interviewing different authors from our book Life Sparks, which came out a couple months ago. And now I'm excited that there's a new series out that's called Nurse Sparks. And so I'll be interviewing the different authors who were, for the most part, nurses. So please stay tuned for that. For those of you that may have missed shows, I haven't actually been on the show for a couple of months. It's been kind of a a sabbatical of sorts. And so it's nice to be back again and doing interviews. There are several interviews that have been archived. And if you're interested, you can go to www.blogtalk.com forward slash AuthenticMessengers.com. Please also visit our Facebook page at Authentic Messengers. And again, thank you for joining us today. So my first guest is Dion Wright, who is a holistic registered nurse who lives in Grants Pass, Oregon. Since leaving the traditional institutional nursing settings, she facilitates transformation for clients in private practice. She obtained her nursing degree from Bakersfield College and has developed many skills in a varied nursing career. She is a poet, has edited multiple nursing newsletters, and authored the documents that assisted her place of employment. So welcome, welcome, Dion. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate and being as here. And we talk- as we were talking earlier, it sounds like you're up in beautiful British Columbia doing another training. So it sounds mm-hmm. like you not o- are you facilitating the training or are you actually participating in the training? I am actually participating in the training. I'm uh, dedicated to lifelong learning, and so I'm even uh, in delving deeper into how to step more into this uh, great, wonderful way of of being uh, a human. Yeah. Well, these certainly are, are challenging times, and I, I appreciate the fact that you continue striving to learn more um, because it's, it's important, it feels, to be up with new ways of helping clients transform themselves. And I'm curious, today's um, talk is going to be entitled Living an Intuitive Life and wondered how you got into, one, the nursing and how it's catapulted you into where you are now and also what it means to you to live an intuitive life. Well, I'm really glad you asked that. I, um, I'm one of those people that I guess I'm learning are really kind of rare because when I was three years old, I was very, very clear that I was going to be a nurse. And I share a little bit of that story in, in the book. But I, I never, ever wavered from that. It was never a doubt in my mind that I would be anything else. I just always had this sense of, 
a purpose about being a nurse. And I know that from um, those of us who have followed Elizabeth Gilbert from her uh, Eat, Pray, Love um, book and some of the TED Talks that she's done since, that there's many, many people who uh, never had that clarity. So I feel very, very fortunate Mm -hmm. that I've had that sense of purpose and I'm only just in the last probably 10 or 15 years really come to understand that that's, that was really being tuned into my intuition. Even at a really young age, I, I really had a, a sense of clarity from, from being connected to that source of inner knowing that that was my purpose in life. And so it's impacted me really profoundly because... Mm-hmm. Because that's that's the that's the course of that was the course of my career then, yeah. I'm curious how how it showed up to for you because I, a lot of the work I do is in family systems, and it's always interesting to see the different roles that we take on within our families, be it caregiver, you know, nurture, outsider, et cetera, and wondered as you became clear on becoming a nurse, how that showed up and was that part of the, and you don't have to share if you don't want it, suppose it could be a little personal, as far as the role that you had growing up and how that also seemed to funnel into your wanting to be a nurse and be helpful. Well, that is an interesting question because I, I hadn't even put that together, although at three, so I was, I am the oldest of 12 children and was actually wow. only home for, yeah, only home for 10, the birth of 10 of them. The other two were born after I left home. But at three, I only had one brother yet when that came into my awareness. However, as you kind of open the door to that question, um, likely that uh, that awareness did have an influence because I beca- I did become the caregiver um, mm-hmm. uh, for for more than one reason. There were some some things that occurred in our family that that made it. Uh, it made it unnecessary for me to take on the role of uh, being the the one who would make the meals and take care of the, the children and get them ready for school and and then after school take care of the the baby and et cetera. So it did it did play out mm-hmm. that way. You're you're right. It did. Yep. Yeah. Wow. It's beautiful that you. It's beautiful that you continued on with it and it sounds like it's so much a part so much a part of your life now obviously I noticed that you're the founding board member of the Oregon Holistic Nurses Association and you continue as the volunteer communication coordinator Um, so thank you for thank you for doing the work you do what is exactly holistic in regards to nursing when I went through nurses training in the late 60s and early 70s, we learned to take care of patients uh, according to their diagnosis and according to the room that they were in, which was very, uh, very 
separating them from who they are as a person and separating them Mm -hmm. from their life experience, from their, from their, their soul and from their psych, their emotions and all of the parts that make them up. And we weren't, we, we were strictly encouraged to not engage with them on an emotional level, not open up to them at all. And so then as I continued my career and moved into a different community and began to work in a different um, aspect of nursing so that I eventually came into becoming a, a hospice nurse, it became very clear to me that that, that was not serving anyone at all on either side mm-hmm. to, to, to hit, you know, look at people at, in parts. This is their body. This is their, their mind and their emotions, and this is their spirit. And as a nurse, a part of our scope of practice very clearly states that we are required to assess not just their, their body, their physical, not just their emotional state, not just their mental state, but also their spiritual state. We are required mm-hmm. to assess that. And yet many of us uh, fail to do that, and primarily it's because we don't feel comfortable doing that. But for me, it, it's become not just a privilege, but it's become my calling. And I felt that really strongly when I was in hospice and found mm-hmm. that, that that really brought together what holistic nursing really meant to me was looking at at everything that was meant to be human and 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 facilitating transition for whatever that meant for a human in in the critical part in the crisis and the vulnerable states of their life i had um the the ability to be a uh, a guest in their home and help to to bring uh, some awareness to and some validation and some recognition to the parts of them that many had um, ignored and helped to knit that back together into a, a wholeness piece. And that was extremely rewarding. And I find that is uh, still the direction that my, uh, my soul leads me and my career is uh, pushing me. The universe is pushing me to 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 continue mm. to to take that role for people. It reminds me, as you're talking, especially in lieu of your recognition at a very young age, that nursing was the area that you were going to fully step into and fully embrace. And thinking about the little ones, they're still so tapped in to the upper world, to the spirit realm, to their intuition. And here, as your career continues to move forward, and especially with the beauty of working within hospice, which I think is one of the greatest gifts we can do is be of service to those who are close to transitioning, that, again, you're bringing in the holistic and the um, the intuitive sense that I'm sure folks who are on the edge tap back into. And with that, wondered mm-hmm. if you could define or describe or if there's anything that you would like to say 
um, that was kind of a long answer to, and something that I said to you. If there's anything you'd like to follow up with what I said and or t- to also define and describe what intuition is to you. Well, to me, it's it's being open to how we receive information or our truth. Um, for me, it was just real clarity that was there was left no doubt. I at that time and for years, I had no idea where that came from, but it guided me with true clarity and. I know I've been asked many times, you know, well, what is intuition and how do I know if I have it or not? And we all receive information uh, that's not tangible but speaks to our truth, to our core in a real clear way. And so some of us have it uh, from... From just knowing something becomes in and it's just a, a, a real solid knowing. And some of us have, a, have it from a sense of uh, hearing a message that gives us information. Some people, I, I work with young children and, and older adults who actually see the energetic world in a way that gives them information and in, in through that form of intuition, they're able to um, make, it informs their decision. Um, and so there's different ways, you know, and some people just feel things in their body that gives them information about themselves and their truth. So it's becoming aware of how we as an individual receive information that is the key to our intuitive sense, to to honing that intuitive sense. That's been my experience in working with with myself and with people and in developing the other aspects of intuition that are available to us all as well, if that helps to clarify it at all. That's a wonderful answer. And with the follow-up, have you noticed that people who are either in hospice or you mentioned working with children, if you've noticed that as someone is ill or, or sick and either will be crossing soon or have a debilitating illness, <clears throat> that when that when they open up to the acceptance of what's going on to the best of their ability, that that allows their intuition to come through clearer for them rather than the ones who may be struggling um, and trying to figure things out. It does. It really does. When they're when they come to the point of being in surrender to the process or or what we sometimes say in allow, in the process of allow. And they have um, their their senses open up to intuitive, their intuitive senses open up in in a beautiful way. And they see things they've never seen before and they hear things they've never heard before. And then they can connect on a heart level, um, 
in a way that is new to them and to those around them, which is beautiful. And then if I'm the, um, if I have the privilege of being the one to help facilitate that, it, it brings a, it brings a real sense of gratitude to see that open up. Um, Mm-hmm. Just from being willing to surrender. Yeah. So do you work do you work in a private setting or do you also bring your work into hospitals and other sorts of medical institutions? I don't work in the institutional setting any longer for uh mm-hmm. sort of my entire career. I worked in um hospitals and realized when when I began to realize that that working holistically was the only thing that was bring would bring peace to my heart, but that the setting wasn't conducive to that i I had to really go inside and understand why I was where I was because I believed I was where I was meant to be. And the message mm-hmm. that I received was that I was my role was to to be the bridge between the allopathic world or the Western medicine world and the holistic world, and that that I was meant to bring into that setting the, the it was to introduce and hold space for the the allopath or the holistic and so I, I did that's what I did for many years and whatever way I could I I was I worked in hospice for a long time I worked in home care and hospice prior to that I worked in uh, on the unit in a different setting and then I worked in home care and hospice and then I worked as an educator. I ended my career as an educator. And as an educator, I was able to bring the principles of holistic nursing to new nurses, nurses new to the profession, nurses that were new to our facility, the nurses already working for us, and focusing on taking care of yourself as the primary concern and uh, also led into my being the project manager or the project coordinator for these doc- this document that I wrote, which was about creating a, an environment in the hospital setting that was healthy for nurses. And one of the principles was work-life balance and being able to provide an environment there that would support self-care within the health care setting. And so it was, uh, it was a big part of helping to create processes and even a serenity room within the hospital setting to help to ground that principle. So, so that's kind of how that evolved um, at that time. Do you thank you for that? (laughs) And you retire, but now it seems like you're still busy doing your work, though. It just is in a different capacity, right? Yeah, it is because I I realize that 
I knew I also knew with that message that the time would when the time when my time there was done I would know it and that time did Mm -hmm. come and so now I have the opportunity to do to work with clients one-on-one but I'm also putting together um, a program to take this to the wider world because I've also known that that was what I what comes next so I'm in the process of doing that now yeah Good, because one one question one question I had was, do you sense that hospitals and institutions across the board, you know, throughout the United States and perhaps beyond, are starting to welcome in more of a holistic approach because of either the the patients, clients being more self aware in some ways, recognizing that they're more than just the body with the head attached, um, that that some of the doctors and or nurses are looking to bring forward the emotions, as you said earlier, along with working with what's going on either emotionally, mentally, physically with the, with the patient or the client. There is definitely an increase in the demand from the, the hospital uh, clientele and the public. We see that happening, mm-hmm. and people are are paying it out of their pocket when their insurance doesn't doesn't cover it, and so they really are. It, the hospitals have to respond in some way or another, and so there there are programs uh, being created in the hospitals more and more around the states, at least. And I can't speak for outside of the states. But we are seeing it within the states. The the other piece that uh, I've been aware of, at least, is the whole piece about patient satisfaction. And when mm-hmm. the you know when the staff are not getting their needs met as a whole person either, then it's difficult for them to provide care for the patients in a way that the patients feel held. And so right. so that's another piece that's happening as well. Is, is needs the hospitals are being required to provide an environment for not just the patients but the staff as well to to increase in order to increase their bottom line, which is which is depends on the patient satisfaction. I mean that's a big deal mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So it is yeah, happening. And, and it, with, it, it is happening. And with and with all the with all the talk about compassion fatigue, I remember years ago I used to teach self care, and uh, one of the areas I specialized in was heart math. And I approached one of the community colleges in Oregon who had a nursing program there, and wanted to see if self care could be part of the curriculum they offered. And while the director was very excited about it, she said after meeting with the board, they she came back and said it's not really a priority for the nursing students to indulge, so to speak, in the area of Mm self-care. And it's really been curious for those of us that are are working in the trenches, so to speak, how important self-care is and how many times I think especially as caregivers, either paid or unsolicited, tend not to practice good self-care and wondered if you had anything to say about the importance of the self-care. I know we're getting a little off the intuition part, but I think this will also 
go into the intuitive part of us taking care of ourselves. Oh, I, I agree. I totally agree. And I can, I can definitely speak from experience because I was, um, I was, was home for nine years having four children, went back into the workforce and was, had worked for two and a half years and was burned out in two and a half years. And then I wow. uh, took some time off, and then we moved to Oregon, and I went back to work. And it was another, uh, I don't even think it was quite another two years, and I was burned out again. And it was that part in my story, too, about that, that whole piece. And it was, it, was the, um, it, it was becoming in contact with a very dynamic nurse who had created a program that understood, she understood the concept of uh, seeing the patient as a whole person, not just the patient himself, mm. him or herself, but the family as a part of that as well. And, and then also how, how that translates to the caregiver. And, and that's what really gave me, uh, inspired me and lit my torch again and helped me remember why I became a nurse. And, and from then on, I, I have been in, really been inspired again for um, holistic, holistic practice. So, mm-hmm. so that's where my whole, you know, I haven't ever, I have never let that torch die again because if we, <clears throat> you know, when we go to work as nurses, we have, there are three types of relationships that we engage in throughout that day. It's the relationship with our coworkers, which includes our the nurse, the the, uh, the allied healthcare professionals, as well as the physicians. And then it's with our patient and their families. But when I ask the students or the new nurses or even my own staff, um, what's the third relationship? That if they if they think of it, it's always the last one, the relationship with ourselves. And if we mm-hmm. don't take care of ourselves, if we're not filling ourselves up with whatever it is that we need to feel cared for and to feel nourished, we have nothing to bring to our patients, nothing. And they are so vulnerable. They always know when we're empty. They always know. In that vulnerable state, mm-hmm. they can tell that, that, we're, that we are an empty shell. And our staff know this. They also know. And we're not creating an environment of, of care, for that, which is what we, we say we're doing. And so it's, it's absolutely critical that we do what we need to do to take care of ourselves. In order, otherwise, there's no point. There's just no point mm-hmm. in anything that we're mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. So it goes back to it's a, intuitively checking in with what is it that I really need the most right in this moment. Is it a breath before I walk into this patient's room? Is it five breaths? Is it uh, taking um, a five minutes in the bathroom to ground myself? What is it? What do I need in this moment to be able to give yeah, do I just need to go and sit mm-hmm. in the chapel for, for five minutes and connect 
it, it, just knowing, connecting, and 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 getting a sense uh, from the from your center of truth to know how to best support yourself, so that you can support others. Yeah. Boy, and isn't that hard, especially when um, caseloads are high and. I, I here on island I work for senior resources and enroll caregivers actually into our program and it's amazing it's amazing the amount of responsibility that independent caregivers have and nurses have and thinking about being aware enough when one is working 8 to 10 hour shifts how mm-hmm. to consciously become aware of taking yet another breath to recognize that the next patient you see is different than the one one saw before and how does one keep the emotional um, morale up either within the hospital or, or different institutions and oh I lost you you're gone Hello. Yeah, there you are. Oh, there you are. Can you? I took a little time to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> that usually isn't the problem, but I think that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear? Did you hear it all? Did you hear it all? What I, I, I said. Um, <clears throat> I heard you. I heard. I heard you say that in the institutions when we have so much on our caseload and so much pressure uh, and then you, it sounded like the mic got hit then and that was it. <laughs> well, I don't know what happened. We are having, experiencing some, some winds here. So perhaps some of our towers are getting bounced around again. But what I was saying was it's interesting when, when caseloads are so large or when um, <clears throat> nurses and other staff, go 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 for 8 to 12 hours a day and to have the enough insight and and knowledge to to take the breath to know that it's time to sit for a moment <clears throat> and wondered for those nurses who will be listening and other people who will listen to our show how does one prioritize it so that it doesn't go by the wayside or become a weekend warrior that is a self-care goddess. <laughs> well, that's a great question. Yeah, it, it is true that things seem to go faster and faster and get more and more out of control and more and more ahead of us. And so it's kind of like, uh, in my mind, because this has happened to me, when when we take a fall, a physical fall, and it all starts to go in slow motion, doesn't matter how slow it goes, it just keeps going further and further out of control and and until we eventually fall. And if when we're in that state in our day that it's starting to get out of control and we can't get our arms around it, and we can feel it getting clear, you know, further, and we're starting to get panicky. Uh, it, it, the in, th- that needs, we need to allow that to become our trigger for, mm-hmm. oh, this is, there's going to be a terrible fall uh, in my ability to facilitate anything effectively 
unless I do something different. This, this, that has to be the trigger for doing something different. And uh, Jean, uh, shoot, I can't think of her last. Jean Watson is one of our living nursing leaders, philosophers, more than that. She's an amazing, truly amazing nursing leader who has given us this beautiful example of how to help bring ourselves back to center. Each time we walk into a patient's room, we're required to wash our hands. And as Mm. we do that, we can do that very consciously as a time to take a breath and imagine it being a time that we're washing away every other, uh, all the problems of our other patients, all the concerns of our own self and our, uh, of anything, anything but this patient and allow it to help us focus on this particular patient and just use that moment to come present with ourselves and that patient. So it doesn't necessarily have to take us out of the room doesn't have to take us an, another extra moment, but it can take us out of the panic moment. It can take us away from the disaster of falling just by using that. It usually doesn't take us more than a couple of minutes to get our hands washed and dried, mm-hmm. but we can use that, you know, to come back to center and present. No, that's a that's a great idea, and being able to wash off anything that you may have carried from the other room, too, symbolically yes. thinking about washing washing it away. It really seems it really seems that now it's it's so important for each and every one of us to really begin to take full responsibility and be accountable for where we are, the kind of care we get. And with that being said. Why is it now especially important that intuition becomes something that people rely on more instead of looking outside themselves so much? We as humans have for so long just taken for granted that what we see when we look at a human being is all there is to a human being, other than the internal organs, and et cetera. And now we know with quantum physics that that's not true. Uh, what mm-hmm. we understand from quantum physics, that what we see with our eyes, unless we're able to see aura, is that that's all, that makes up less than 1% of who we are. And that the energetics, the, the space, the energy between the atoms of who we are is 99.9999% of who we are. And if we're not connecting with that part of us that, that is that energetic intuitive sense to become in, to come into that truth of us, we we aren't able to be nearly as effective, nearly as uh, uh, influential in 
helping or caring or therapeutic in our care with our patients as nurses or in our personal lives, bringing that element of a holistic relationship into our, like, our families or with those around us. There's a whole uh, energetic, as you would know, having been uh, worked with heart math, that we we have we have a a heart um, energetic field that is huge, much huger than even our brain energetic field that interacts with those around us. And so, if we're not managing that energetic field, we're influencing. I mean, whether we are or not, we're influencing people around us constantly, whether we are aware or not. And so it's really mm-hmm. absolutely critical uh, in the times of particularly that we're in that we be accountable for intuitively, constantly being intuitively aware and shifting our our attitudes and our sense of awareness and continually doing what is necessary to stay centered and present in the present moment so that we can be putting out the kind of energy that is going to be a a level that, that will bring healing to those around us and to the planet, shift us into a different Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. I'm curious from all your years experience being in the medical field, how is it and why is it do you think people got so separate from the holistic approach of themselves and began turning outward, which I recognize a lot of people still do when, when they're confronted with an illness or disease or something going on with them often will referred to doctor to allopathic um, approach to getting better. I wondered if you had any thoughts over your years of doing research and also working within the genre of the medical world, if, if you have any sense of how it is and why it is people began looking outside themselves. Well, you know, Hippocrates had a way of looking at things on a holistic uh, perspective, <clears throat> but the no- Newtonian principle, um, when that, when when he when when Newton started separating things out into body, <laughs> the body itself, then then that's how we started getting away from the spirit and the emotions, and that's where Western medicine took a took a curve. And and then we start. We have we have psychology, and we have the div, the divinity side. The all of the the whole um, chaplaincies, and then we have the medicine doctors. And so it, that was that was a break off from from New, Newton's way of looking at things, breaking off from Hippocrates, and we. We are at a place now where where we know that doesn't work. There's a majority of of uh, of us moving back to looking at things in a holistic way. What we 
think on a on a global level, we know that the Earth herself is 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 uh, increasing her vibrational frequency. The human um, harmonic is shifting upwards, and we are responding to that. And we as as people, our vibrations are shifting upward also, and. And we're coming back to a place of, of harmony with, with our wholeness. And in that, we're, we're feeling, there's still, you know, we're, there's still that, that energetic of that lower separation that it's more than just a duality. I think there's a separation still. And we still have all those separate specialties. And at mm-hmm. the same time, there are those of us who are raising that awareness um, to, to that wholeness piece. And so more and more, and I'm seeing it in my practice as, as well as many others, that, that there are people who, who are willing to pay out of pocket to be able to bring back their own wholeness when they can't find it in other places. And at the same time, there are practitioners who are putting together clinics that bring all of those specialists together, and they're creating a different kind of model of medicine that doesn't require an insurance per se. It's like, it's like a club in a way, the way you pay a monthly due. And then you go in and whatever you need, you have access to. And so you get a similar kind of holistic approach depending on what you need because it's all right there under one Mm -hmm. roof. So we are definitely Mm -hmm. moving much more back to that holistic practice because intuitively many of us know that's where we have to go. We're we're being pulled Mm -hmm. back to that wholeness of being. And it's so empowering for the individual who is tapping into it, perhaps for the first time, that they are healed thyself, that they do, we do have the capacity to heal ourselves from the inside out and um, to help remind the people that they do have the power within them. Um, with that, what sorts of if someone is new to hearing their own intuitive voice, perhaps it's being shut out with too many distractions or fear and the, the endless amounts of ways that we can be distracted, what are some recommendations that you have for connecting to one's intuition? Something I think is really powerful is when there is a, a like a sometimes we think it's just our imagination when an idea or a thought comes in that we should maybe go a certain direction or do something that seems a little bit out of our comfort zone and so if you want to imagine that it's a that it's a like a just a your imagination, that's fine. And at the same time, if you hold it in that space and just let it settle in your body, it will settle either with a heaviness or it will settle with a lightness. 
And if it's a heaviness that feels, you, it just makes you feel really heavy, it, it's generally not something that your intuition is saying will serve you. If your body, if, if your body ends up feeling really light, that brings a higher energy, what it's doing is bringing a higher energetic to you, that, that can generally be a sign to you that this would be something that could serve you. It would be something, a direction you could go that could assist you. In, um, it, it, that's a, a kind of a general way that a person could know um, how it might help. Something else that I've learned oh, the hard way over the years is that if I start if I go ahead with something that I think maybe I didn't even check in to see if it was a way that intuitively my body is telling me might be a good way to go and I'm taking this path and, and all of a sudden it just feels like at every turn I'm getting, uh, getting walls up and getting obstructions. I'm having to push really hard. It's like, I finally realized, oh, this is my intuition saying, this is not the right path. It shouldn't be this hard. This is way too hard. When spirit is leading the way or when intuition is leading the way, it's going to open up with ease and grace. That's just intuition will lead you with ease and grace. And so there's a couple of ways to, uh, if, you, if you're checking in, to your physical body, I find that that's an, a real uh, uh, concrete way to get a sense that, oh, this is it or not. That's a, uh, if, you're, if you're kinesthetic, that's a really good way to know. And then, again, the other thing, <laughs> people hear things, maybe get ideas, and they think that they're just imagining things. And I, for most of us that are intuitive, it started out. We thought we it was we were imagining things, and mm-hmm. um, then we had the validation that it wasn't an imagination. It was we were receiving information, and so just taking the leap to just to trust that that's not imagination, and just move with it. We'll we will get the validation as we move with it, one way or the other, and. And of course, and it seems like so also trusting, trusting oneself yeah. to know what they're hearing is, is important to a message. So how can how can we yeah. tell, or how can someone tell if they're not receiving intuitive guidance? Is it a way that it language, or um, wondered if you could go into that a little bit? I think I. Um, Probably for me, the biggest the biggest thing is how hard it gets when I'm when I, that's the biggest sign for me is how mm-hmm. hard it gets. It's like wow, it all of a sudden become very clear to me. Oh, this is really hard, and so then I, I I'm checking. I then I check in. And that's when I get clarity about, oh, 
yeah, I never checked in on this. Or maybe I didn't listen as I got partway down the road. But, but for me, personally, really, I can speak from there, from that viewpoint, mm-hmm. is that it, when it gets, when the path gets really hard and I'm struggling, struggling with trying to make things happen, and I'm doing, making a lot of, it takes a lot of force to make things happen. Things aren't flowing like I had thought they would or like I'd hoped they would. Then that's when I know I'm not, I'm not connected to my intuition. It's just really hard. Things are just so mm-hmm. hard. And, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah. So and, when you say so, tapping it, Tapping, tapping in, is that somebody tapping into what they're feeling in their body or what do you mean when you talk about tapping in? So for me, uh, there are several ways. Uh, breath, me taking a breath and then, and then focusing on my heart. That's a, that's a really mm-hmm. good way for me to, to just tap in. Another way is nature is a beautiful way for me to connect I'm very very connected to nature and mother earth and there's an energetic about the about nature and mother earth that there that is um, very much about truth there's that Mm -hmm. there's just no there's just no falsity there it's all truth and connecting with with that energetic and with that vibration uh, through my feet getting grounded and coming uh, you know allowing myself to be in that energy and then connecting with my heart is really helpful to open up the channels of intuition as well. Um, some people mm. really connect with their intuition through dance. They're so, um, they're, 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 they have a, they have a total connection with their intuitive self through, through the music and the dance and their body uh, guides them in that way, and and some people really get information through that physical expression of dance, and are able to find their their message or their guidance during that that movement. And of course, there's always meditation. People who mm-hmm. are, you know, that you know, some people just really meditate as a practice and so they're they're able to tap in quickly with uh with that meditation some people meditate there's you know there's a labyrinth which is a which is a walking meditation so there's many ways to do meditation it's not just always the traditional type but um but that's another way of, of tapping in and then there's music some people play music and write music, and and uh, I uh, have worked with an eleven-year-old boy who that's his that's his total ex, his total uh, intuitive expression is is his music. Um, mm-hmm. That's who when he comes alive, and that's you know that's a beautiful mm-hmm. way too to to really find your truth, your true intuitive self. So it just and really, it really depends on the person, yeah. And it really bypasses the the chatter 
the blah, 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 yeah. the mind just going on and on. So if someone wanted to be connected to their intuitive guidance on a more continual basis is is has your practice been as you teach others is it with through the ways that you were talking through nature through dance through music through meditation or how can one really begin to trust on a continual um on a continual basis their guidance well for what i you know when i work with people uh, I there's several things that come up, and one of the things is that a ritual becomes uh, tends to become uh, difficult. It, I mean, when people have an have a, an expectation that they have to do certain things every day at the same time, uh, or if they don't, then they fail. That sets them up. It sets them up for. Um, a failure, and and that's mm-hmm. not the purpose. The purpose is to develop a, a way uh, of connecting so that instantly, in any moment or any place, you you have access. And so, so there's what I began to really understand and developed was was we we need to develop for each of ourselves uh, a four-legged stool of foundation, really, for ourselves, for our practice, so that wherever we are, we're well-supported. And for me, I realize that that includes our environment. How do we set up our environment so that we are supported in our environment? And mm-hmm. that, can, that can include, you know, having plants in our environment, it can it can include how, do, what kind of food do we eat? Do we eat really good food? Do we do we get enough rest? Uh, do we have photos around of people we love or artwork that inspires us? There's a lot of things that we can do. We can have water fountains. What whatever there is in our environment that we even just can look at at any moment in the day that will instantly touch that place into a place within us or that place of center mm-hmm. within us. Our environment can support mm-hmm. us without it having to be a ritual, which is really important. And then mm-hmm. another uh, part of that foundation is our body-mind, and that comes back to our self-care that we were talking about earlier. And it can just be a matter of uh, breathing exercise or some sort of a, of, a, of a relaxation type of exercise that we do. Or, or if you do, you know, have regular massage, or uh, do we do? Do you do um, some kind of music therapy or art therapy, or or yoga, or even if you do essential oils, uh, there's a way of using them to support your mind, body, um, any anything like that, brain brain yoga, mm-hmm. uh, or salt baths, mm-hmm. or those kind of things that support your your mind and your body connection. And um, and and have an opportunity to have those available any, at any time. And then another support mm. for your foundation is the energy, your energy care, the energy hygiene care that you do for yourself. And there's lots of energy uh, balancing exercises that you can do in just a minute or two uh, that 
you can learn easily. But crystals are also something you can have in your pocket that you can just grab in a minute. Um, homeopathic remedies are something, too, that, that are uh, energy um, balancing. Uh, Bach remedy flowers, acupuncture. You know, there's mm-hmm. all, all kinds of Reiki. There's lots of things that are energy balancing that assist you. And if you have those available that support you in keeping yourself connected to your inner self. And then uh, the, the last uh, support, the last part of the support plan is the more um, spiritual aspect that people think about when they think about a spiritual practice, and that would be things like centering prayer or uh, reading sacred texts or um, you know, interacting with your altar or something like that. Um, but again, mm-hmm. when, when you have something from each of those areas that you're working with every day, then you have a balanced support. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, even if you just do, if, if you just do conscious breathing from your door to your car, I mean, that can be enough to help you recenter and reconnect. So it doesn't have to be a ritual that you do. You know what I'm saying? It's just something mm-hmm. that we we tend to get into a habit that we that we think is required, and it's not about that. And so, and I, it's more uh, of the embodiment, the embodiment, and the yes. integrating of it. So it just becomes yes. second nature to someone. Yes. Well, thank you. You have been a wealth of information today. I really appreciate you being so generous with your sharing. Um, I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) And I hope you have a wonderful time up in Vancouver. Um, It it truly is a beautiful city. And so thank you. Thank you for coming on. And I look forward to, to reading your chapter. And for listeners out there, thank you so much for listening in. Again, you can go to www.blogtalk forward slash authentic messengers to hear the archive shows. And how can folks get a hold of you if they want to find out more about what it is that you do? Briefly. Well, I have... Yeah, I have a website that's um, aroma blends, which is D-E-O-N-N-E-S, Aroma, A-R-O-M-A, Blends, B-L-E-N-D-S dot com, which has a, a healing tab for healing uh, services on it. And that talks more about um, some of the work that I do. And then uh, the author page is DionWright.com. Well, thank you so much. And I, I, again, I look forward to reading your chapter. And I'm really grateful that you took the time to be on the show. And listeners out there, please be kind to yourself. Um, love each other. And I love to close with a Cherokee prayer. Oh, great spirit, help me always to speak the truth quietly to listen with an open mind when others speak, and to remember the peace that may be found in silence. Be well. Thank you, Dion. Thank you, Catherine.